So today we are talking about victimhood versus oppression. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a victim? What does it mean to be oppressor? What is a Christian response to that as well as the constitutional response? Now, most of you were probably already watching before, so I'm just going to pop right back into slide one. We're going to get this rolling right away. So on slide one, go ahead and read through it. I, I won't take the time to read it. She'll leave it up for a little bit. But you'll notice there's something that it talks about, the construct of the privileged and the prejudiced versus the oppressed, a.k.a. oppressed victimhood. You're a victim. You're a victim of your environment. You're a victim of other people oppressing you. You are, are the fulfillment or the result of other people's pressure upon you. So, Massey, this idea of victimhood, this idea of, of being compressed by somebody else— I want to know, like, what are people thinking? Why is victimhood so prevalent in today's society? I think you know? <clears throat> kind of what happens is, is we, be, we, we, we see oppression has happened. But I, I think what happens with victimhood, and this is just speaking from personal experience. I'm yeah. not relating this to anything yet. Okay, I'm just saying from me personally. I know that when you get oppressed or your family gets oppressed or you've experienced oppression, you're taught to be careful. Something yeah. bad's going to happen. Don't do that. Now, there's nothing wrong with teaching prudence. There is something wrong with relaying that to fear somehow, like something mm. bad's going to happen. And so what happens is you become a victim of something you've never even experienced yet. And so you live your whole life really under this mentality of, you, you know, uh, you, you put here uh, that, that I, I'm no longer than this is this is how bad fear gets. I, I'm, I'm trying to word it the, the best way that I can so it doesn't come across as a slam because, listen. I've experienced, you've experienced, we've all experienced some kind of oppression in our lives. I don't care if, if it's been, you've been, uh, if you've experienced someone who's hated you, racism, whatever it is, we've pretty much a lot of us have experienced something traumatic in our lives that could make us a victim of something, yeah. right? Typically, what you become a victim of is this fear, this thing you can't even control. It's a fear that's really innate inside of you. And what happens is if you continue to live in that mentality, you can actually use that against people. Become, it, and, and for me, when I use fear, it became manipulative. I can get people to do anything I wanted because I was afraid. And it's like, but don't do that to me because of this, you know, or don't do this because of this, or I did this because of that. Do you see what happens when you're under a victimhood mentality? You don't have personal responsibility anymore. There's no longer a place for you to say, I'm responsible for what I do now. Everyone else is the cause of why I'm in fear. Yeah. Everyone else is the cause as to why I'm doing something wrong. Everyone else is the cause or the situations or the nation or whatever. And I look at a guy like Christ. Just let's take the perfect example, right? I look at a man who walked among Pharisees who understood the doctrines and the counsel of God. They understood the law. They, they read the Torah. They understood the book. They read about prophecies about Jesus Christ. And they persecute this man. Now, Here's where it's unique about Christ. He knew he'd be persecuted. He knew he was going to die at the hands of the Pharisees. He knew he was going to die. And he actually, he actually told his disciples, my father gave me a commandment that this body will raise in three days. He gave me the commandment that I would defy death, basically, right? Now, his mentality could have been, I'm afraid of what I'm going to say next because I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I'm going to die at the hands of the Pharisees. So I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to disobey God. And I'm not going to follow what he's telling me because I'm afraid I might die. Oh, that's good. No, 
He went beyond that. I know I'm going to die, so how am I going to best represent my father when I'm on this earth? What things do I need to do to empower the disciples so that they can move forward in their lives so that I can show them they don't have to be victims? Because he even told them, if they hate me and persecuted me, know they're going to persecute you too. See what happens with victimhood? You don't take the step of faith anymore because you operate out of fear, no longer faith. I just got an image of, of Peter when he's standing in the boat and he says, Christ, if it's you call me out to you on the water. So Christ says, come on out. So Peter gets out and he starts walking. He's doing good. And all of a sudden, instead of looking to Christ, who does he look or where does he look? Mm -hmm. He starts looking at the waves. He starts looking at the storm and that's when he starts to sink. See, the problem with a victimhood mentality is your eyes get off of the goal. Your eyes get off of where you're headed, right? And Christ should be our goal. We should be walking towards Christ. The problem is we get our eyes off of Christ and all of a sudden our eyes are on the waves around us. We're on the obstacles, the problems, the the, the struggles and the issues that are coming over us. We all of a sudden decide that we are only a product of what is affecting us. Mm. All the external stimuli coming against us is going to affect us, therefore we just can't make it. And this victimhood mentality is really making inroads right now. Now, notice Massey and I have never disregarded the idea that there was injustice. There's still injustice. There's still inequality. There's still problems and issues going on. We won't disregard that. But the question is, what do you do with that? Do you continue to say, I'm a victim, therefore I'm going to fight. Right, right. Or I'm an overcomer. Right, right. There's a difference there, right? Guys, forgive us as well. The, there's something wrong with our video. So you can hear the audio, but our video is all screwed up. So you're just seeing a, a basic screen of our, our logo there. So okay. please forgive us, but we're going to continue doing the podcast. So please stay tuned and share this podcast if you want people to get freedom. Um, our motto here is live liberated. Yep. That is the reason we're talking about this very issue, okay? I wish we could have the video, but, man, there's something wrong with the Internet. I don't know what's going on, uh, but you can hear our voices apparently. So please forgive us for that, but we're just going to continue to rock and roll through this thing uh, and push forward. So let's get back to this. So the what happens, and like you were saying, what happens is when you constantly live under a narrative, a narrative of fear, right, everybody then becomes the oppressor. Yeah. Then everybody has to be subservient to you. Think about that. Everybody has to conform their life to how you feel. Yeah. Think about this. Yeah. Because all of a sudden they have to yeah. they have to change what they're doing what in they're order doing. for you to be okay. Yeah. D- does the president care if I'm a victim in front of him or not? <laughs> no. He's the president of the United Stinking States, right? Whoever it is, Obama, Trump, Bush, whoever, yeah. right? No 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 disrespect. It just they they don't care. When I get around people who are stronger than me, I can't be a victim anymore. There's something inside of them that I want to emulate. So I want to go above and beyond the pale. I want to go above and beyond where I am in their life. Or what, what I'm, what I'm, I'm sorry. I want to go above and beyond where I'm at in my life to be like them. Yeah. That's why the people say you are who you hang around with, right? Yeah, the, I love the rule of the, the you're the average <clears throat> of the five people around you or the five closest people around you, which is really too, and I've, true, and I've noticed it in my life of as I've – move through different stages, I've surrounded myself with different people and I've noticed that the people that I'm surrounding myself with now are pushing me forward. They're, 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 they're encouraging and pushing me forward, whether conscious, subconscious, whether vocal or just in their own example, to move forward and, and to continue forward in yeah. life. What the, the problem with a victim is a victim wants to surround themselves by other victims. A victim wants 
a message of victimhood to be proclaimed to them by other victims. Now, I, I've torn apart this idea a little bit and just go with me on this. There's a real issue of the idea of hero. So what's going on in today's society is we're saying that a victim is a hero. The problem is they're not a hero. They're not even close to a hero. They're at the beginning step of yep. becoming a hero. Because yep. what is a hero? Yep. A hero is somebody who is yep. a victim in, in the truest sense, yep. but they overcome that issue. Mm -hmm. We look up to them because of what they've done and overcame. Amen, bro. The problem is we've, we've cut that off, the overcoming part, and we've said purely by your identity of being <clears throat> a victim, you're a hero to us. Right. No, 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 no. You're just a victim until you overcome. That's exactly it. And so when it comes to overcoming, I, and, and I'm going to start throwing peppering scripture in between all of this, okay? Yeah. So it makes sense. Now, if you look at, I, it's, you're doing amazing. Uh, I, I want to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. So I was watching this. Uh, I love First Take and Undisputed. Yeah. Like, I just like them guys duking it out. I love a good debate <laughs> show. You know what I mean? If you guys like a good debate show, comment below. Tell me you guys like these shows, and we'll know that you're online with us, okay? Uh, and so please, please share this uh, podcast. We're trying to get it uh, the, the video up and walking, but it's not there's something going on with the Internet, so forgive us for that. But right back into it. So. I was watching a show called Undisputed. I think Shannon Sharp is one of the best tight ends in history. Rob, Rob Gronkowski would be yeah. right up there. Well, Skip Bayless is talking to Shannon Sharp. He says this to Shannon Sharp. Now, there's a white guy saying this to a black guy. I just want you to hear this. This has nothing to do with white and black. I just want you to hear the narrative that was said, and I want to blow that out of the water because Shannon Sharp proclaims he's a Christian, which I believe that. He's, he's a very nice guy. He seems to have the fruits seems of that. Fruit, seems, yeah. seems to have the fruit of it, right? Skip Bayless said to him, you believe... Shannon, if I'm not mistaken, he said, you believe that if people are racist once, they're always a racist. They, they can't change. And Shannon said, mm, yeah, pretty much, basically. Hmm. Now, if that's the way that is, then I can never be redeemed by the blood of Christ, right? So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who might live no longer live to themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised again. Here's what verse 16 says. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we no longer regard him as such. In other words, I don't know them after the flesh anymore. We're risen in Christ now. I don't know you from your old life. I don't know what you've become. I don't know what you do. I'm looking at the fruit of a person now, right? Here's where 17 comes as. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, either that's a promise from God or that's a lie. Yeah. Because I know people can change. I've changed from things in life, right? If we continuously push the narrative that then you need to recognize that you might be you, Everybody's a racist. We, we just recognize the narrative that people are racist out there. It just is what it is. How are you going to love your, your neighbors yourself? Here, here's a good one. The, Jesus said to us, love your neighbor or love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Check this out. Notice how he didn't say, he, he didn't make a construct of who your neighbor was. <laughs> he said to love. Oh man, that sets you free. It doesn't matter who my neighbor is. Everybody's my neighbor. He's saying to love. And to those of you that have enemies, love your enemies. Which is a very hard thing to do. It is. Yeah. And, but if uh, it was easy, anybody would do it. Absolutely. And I, wa I want to explore this idea a little bit further because 
this whole idea of like once you're a racist, you're always a racist, aka once you're a sinner, you're always a sinner. Well, in the Christian construct, yes, we are sinners, but there is an overcoming that can happen. Yep. So, so I just looked up the name. There was a guy named Daryl Davis who a black man blues musician he ended yeah. up ended up turning 200 kkk members away from being kkk members look at that dude right so this guy could have What's considered daryl davis this guy could have considered himself a victim of racism and he would have had every right to do that of saying i'm a victim of racism how dare these kkk members they need to be torn down but instead through his interaction with them through his seeing who they are as human beings, through his care and concern for them, through his his realization that he can have hope of who they are outside of a misguided belief, he ends up being able to turn 200 of them from Dude. it. Why is that? Because of their character. He improved their character as people. And that's where this whole victimhood thing really struggles because it says the oppressor over me does not have the ability to have character. And if you're saying that, what you're saying is you're actually saying Good the job. new generations will not be able to change their character because if individuals can't change character, why should a whole generation? That's it. Well, see, then that comes down to this individualism and collectivist type absolutely. thinking, which we're going to hit next week, yeah. right? Right there, you just hit a really good point. If if one can't change, then nobody can change. So why are we bothering? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're all going to die, yeah. right? If there's no hope, what are you protesting? What, what are you going to do with them if they can't change? Which is even scarier because then it becomes a battle for power. Yeah. It's, it's no longer a we want to actually change the system for the betterment of the other group. It's a we want to control the other group and dominate them, which does show itself. And when we get into it next week, we're going to talk more about that. But if you're saying once a person's a racist, they're always a racist, and you're saying, hey, they were raised by racists, what you're actually saying is racism will pass through the generations no matter what. Yet you're still saying we need to proclaim this idea of white privilege. We need to tell people how racist they are. We tell them they need to change their ways. Yeah. Yet you don't believe they'll, they will actually change because if people can actually change, you should be able to believe that people have changed from 1860 to today that's yes right and if you think about it um the the idea here too is sin is inerrant in man we believe Absolutely. that as, as a doctrine yes. sin is it's 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 inerrant it's we there. have it we're born with it right but the idea is that we can be redeemed through jesus christ right and you can do the behavior modification type stuff you can be a nice guy i know many people who are atheists and are really nice people they really are yeah does not mean that they're walking in the light of christ right so I think what, what happens with the narrative, and we're not just saying for, for, for racism here. This goes with anything. My boss will never change. Hmm. Right? How many Christians actually say that in their jobs? My yeah. boss will never change. Christian, I'm... you ever say that about me? My boss will never change, man. He's just a heart. Oh, He's all a of a jerk, sudden, man. He don't pay me enough. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're a victim of your boss. Dude, I'm telling you. So you become a victim. Are you operating out of victimhood? Now, what is oppression? Before yeah. we even talk about victimhood, oppression means this, that a person has no agency over the situation and their environment. In other words, they can't even control their job. They can't control their living situation. They can't control anything because the system or their job or their placement has nothing to do with them. It had to do with something, someone else forcing you in that situation. You are now under an oppressive system, which yeah. we had for a long time in this country. Right? We had, we had slavery. We had uh, – look at uh, the children of Israel. 
under Egypt for 400 and some odd years, they were oppressed by the enemy. They were oppressed. They were legit under a, fo a force of thumb and rule. Little did they know that they could have walked out and seen the hand of God, right, by, through Moses. But that situation should tell you something, that God takes care of your enemies. Notice that the children of Israel didn't lift a finger to, 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 to do anything to Pharaoh. It was the hand of God yeah. that did it. That should tell you that it's the power of God that should change you. Anybody who's a Christian should listen to this. It has nothing to do with, with, with um, your victim. It can be anything is what, I, what, what I'm trying to say. It could be anything. It could be schooling. It could be your job. It could be whatever. It could be race. It could be the church. Some people play the victim too as Christians. Now, have you seen social media lately? Oh, yeah. We're out there to prove points. We ain't out there to save souls. Yeah. Man, if I can just post one more quote, one more meme, I'm going to win this one. Your job's not to win arguments. Bunyan said that. It's not by winning arguments and dissertations. It's the gospel of Christ that transforms them. We can't look at this any other way. And I saw something here just recently. If you're going to the protest to preach the gospel, you're missing the point. This was by a Christian. Nothing's going to change them. If, I, if Nothing will change the heart to Christ and to love, real love. Who is love? God. God is love. I remember, I remember as a song when I was a kid. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who doesn't love doesn't know God because God's love. Right? That's 1 John 4. And the bottom line is you can't know real love until God is in you. His love supersedes the love of the world. And I'm telling you something, Christians, please listen to me. You will never conform to the righteousness of this world. Ever. You notice how their standard always changes? One week it was the, the politicians were saying the only people that should be trusted with guns is cops. Now those same politicians are saying defund the police. Their standards always change, right? You'll never conform to their standard because that's not the standard you're supposed to conform to. You're supposed to conform to the standard of God, okay? And he's the one who authored what government is and what's not. That should set you free. God will tell you what to do. The Holy Spirit will lead you what to say, right? And if you're oppressed, legit oppressed, right? You have every reason. You have every reason to be a victim. Of course, you're oppressed. But for the majority of Americans, you can choose your way out. And, and, and we're living proof. Absolutely. And I, I would even go farther than that and say if you're oppressed and, and you are a true victim, it still matters what you do with it. It still matters where you go with that. You could continue to wallow in that. And, and I, I choose that word because it tends to be what people end up doing is it becomes their identity. But you could either settle into that and decide you are a victim or you look to the Lord and you, and you cry out to the Lord. You wail to the Lord. You seek the Lord. You follow the Lord and you yep. say, it, the Lord never told you, okay, if you're a slave, and I, I mean this in the biblical Come sense, on. not just the, the black American sense, but the biblical sense. If you're a slave, it doesn't say, so don't worry about me. Just go ahead and continue wailing and fighting until you get free and then worry about me. That's right. It, no. Keep going. Be, be, a, good, be a good servant. Be good in your context. Continue to work as though you're serving me, right? So his whole idea is keep your eyes on me. The The idea of, um, oh, who is it? Um, Valentine, uh, the St. Valentine. Was he the Irish slave? Yep. Yep. It's, what was it? Two years, three years? I don't know. How many years he was a slave? And his only friend in the world was God. 
and every day he was just with God. And God ends up being the one to set him free by helping him escape yep. and getting into a boat and escaping the land. God can set you free. 100%. The people of Israel. God set them free after 400 years. Then God gave them what they needed to be responsible for their life and have agency over their life. He gave them everything. He gave them the law. Why was that? Because you had a group of people who walked out of Egypt after 400 years who had no clue what to do. They exactly. didn't even know how to tie their own exactly, sandal. Exactly, dude. So God said, here is what you do. Here is what you don't do. Here is how you take care of this. Here is how you take care of that. Follow this. You'll be good. He had to completely retrain a people. But what he was actually doing was giving them agency and responsibility by telling them what the what to do. Thank you. So it wasn't, you know, he they, they, they get delivered from, from the oppressor. They go out into the wilderness. Moses goes up into the mountain, gets Ten Commandments, right? After that follows the 613 mm -hmm. precepts. But the Ten Commandments were morality towards one another and towards the Father. Yeah. There was ten of them. Very simply put, you ever notice in there it doesn't say, thou shalt not be a racist? Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah. Why is it Jesus didn't talk about that? Because it had nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with color. It has everything to do with a man is inherently sinful, man. We are sinful creatures. I'm sorry. I, don't, I didn't want to get animated. I was hoping to be calm about this. But if you think about it, we keep talking about race as an issue. Dude, from the beginning, bro, I'm just going to go there, okay? Huh? Because I don't march with mothers against drunk driving, do I like drunk drivers? Think about that. Because a person goes into a school and shoots it up. Do they hate schools? Is that why they do it? Or they just hate God? They're destitute of the righteousness of the Lord. They don't have God. The fear of God is not in their minds. The Bible says God is not in all their thoughts. That's the only thing we're wrestling here. What we're bringing you to is liberty. Ten commandments, dude. To an entire nation of Egyptian, or uh, I'm sorry, Israelites, who had no concept of loving their God. He gave them 10 strict rules to follow, and he left it in their hands to do it. You're the ones that are going to obey this. So he gives them 613 precepts to go by, because guess what? The way that they were taught under the Egyptians, they weren't very clean. Mm -hmm. They were eating all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Stay away from the pork. Stay away from the shellfish, guys. I know we can eat that stuff, and I love me some good piggy sometimes, and I love me a good uh, uh, shrimp um cocktail but shrimp cocktails high in fat pork is high in sodium he knew what he was talking about folks there, there and and pork is actually a very dangerous food now we've gotten used to it because we've we've got methods to kind of clean it up but so there was a, a farmer in china who was eating raw pork and he was having headaches and brain problems and vision and all that and he finally went in they found 700 worms in his brain from oh. the raw pork that he was eating oh. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> shellfish, yes. shellfish are the bottom feeders of the ocean. Actually, I was sitting with Melissa today, and we were talking about seafood, and oh. and she asked me if I liked like clams or oysters. And I'm like, I don't yeah. eat bottom feeders. <laughs> I just yeah, don't no, like bottom not feeders. Talk about that. Right, but there was a reason for that. God Truth. was going, look, there are issues with these foods. I want you to stay healthy and yep. clean. Right. We go, oh well, people eat shellfish now, don't they? Well. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's great for you. We can clean it up. We can do methods in order to make it more palatable for ourselves. 100%. But it doesn't mean it's good That's for right, you. That's right, dude. And, and here's, here's the idea. 
if all you do is live under this type of system and oppression and, and, and victimhood, right? You'll never walk in the fullness of Christ. You will never walk in the fullness of faith. You will continuously live in the fact that you'll be always held on by something outside of your control when Christ gave you all authority yeah. and all power over everything in heaven and earth. He gave us dominion, bro. It's in Genesis 1, right? That should set anybody free listening to this right now. You have no reason in Christ to walk in fear. You ever None. You ever notice... Um, Come on, somebody. And, and, say amen. <laughs> Type amen. And, and, you can't even hear us. Type amen. <laughs> Please tell me somebody says amen. <laughs> you ever notice that people who see Satan behind every doorknob almost, in a sense, live in a fear of what Satan's doing? Instead of having the authority of Christ holding over them and walking with Christ in their vision, they're more focused on what Satan's doing. They're more, fo more focused on the demons behind every door. When you have your eyes on Christ, you have your, your eyes on the full authority that you've been given through all things, right? And we need to keep that in mind, especially as victims. It, it, your oppressor is not the one your eyes should be on. Oh, come on! You, your eyes should be on Christ. It should not be on your oppressor because then, then you're not... You're, you, you end up worshiping the oppressor because you're saying you oh. have power and dominion over me. And I accept that and I allow that. And people say, well, I don't accept it. I'm fighting it. I'm fighting against it. You're fighting in bitterness because they still own you. When you forgive them, when you move beyond it is when they, they don't have ownership over you. That's when you've put your the ownership back into Christ's hands as opposed to your oppressor. Come on, dude. Right? And if you go with Scripture on that, read Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 and 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, they're talking about the old apostles and prophets. They're talking about those that went before them that actually had victory in their life, the ones that had every reason to be oppressed. David could have been a victim, but he, he wasn't because he was a king. Yeah. Okay, listen to this. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Listen to that word carefully. Perseverance. You want it to happen overnight. You ever notice that these protests, we want something to happen overnight. Yeah. We want it to change now. This is about the long haul for our kids right now, right? Listen to this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Doesn't say fix your eyes on our situation. Doesn't say to fix it on the oppressor. Doesn't fix say fix it on your fear. It says fix them on Jesus. Listen to this. Why? This is Christ not being a victim, but being a victor, right? He says this for who the joy set before him, Christ, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen close. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so you won't grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Faith, man. I understand there's bad people out there. I understand. Listen to some of you who say you're oppressed and the system, there's systematic oppression. Hey, there was no doubt about it. There was right. Jim Crow laws and Bull Connor, all them guys down in the South. Some, some of that stuff was happening in the North. There was slavery happening in the North and the South in the, in the time of the founding, right? There was a systematic uh, thing against blacks. Can't disagree with that. But at what point now do we move on and say, no, I have the same opportunity that that Mexican dude does that's doing a podcast right now where thousands of people have listened to him speak before. I'm pretty honored about that, by the way. That's not a bragging thing. That's pretty awesome, right? I have the same opportunity 
as my buddy Renee, who's traveled all over the world playing guitar for some pretty awesome bands, man. The same opportunity. I'm not saying he hasn't faced racism. I'm saying he didn't let that slow him down. He took his lickings and he went forward. He loved his enemies himself. His witness is amazing, yeah. right? You have the same opportunity that I do to change your life. And if you continue to walk in these things and you, 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 you let sin come, come at your life, you let hatred come at you because other people hate you, you're not walking in the love of Christ. Your enemies are supposed to know you by your fruit. The Bible says, wasn't it King David? He said, you've set a table before me in the presence of my enemies, Father. Psalm 23, David said that. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even your enemies would respect you yeah. because of the love of Christ that you have within you. No man should tell you that there's always racism out there. Always, 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 always. And everyone has it somehow, some way. Then you're judging a man before you know his fruit. That's not very Christian. That's not godly. That's not doctrine. There's no Christ in that. How are you going to live, dude, if you're living in constant fear of a boogeyman? How do you be free with that? Especially because you could say... And this isn't just racism. I'm yeah. talking about everything in life. Guys, walking in faith is hard. Well, and, and two points. You could say everybody's racist. Is it true or is it not true? Either way, what you're saying is everybody is sinful. Okay, we're still at the same step then. We're, we're still at the same step of every person is sinful. Christian answer, get your eyes on God. Totally, the problem dude. is when we start saying everybody's racist, all of a sudden our solutions become different. 100%. Our solutions become something else other than, okay, we need to focus on God. We need to build the dude. character, right? And there's a difference between using your struggles and your issues and your oppressors and your mm -hmm. obstacles to build a stronger character and letting your struggles and issues and oppressors identify you creating your identity that's right if i allow my struggles to create my identity dude i will on. only be the sum of Here, my struggles let's get real okay let's let's just get real because we're kind of going off topic i don't want to hit this anyway yeah. like i don't even want to think about that right now let's talk about just testimony where we could have all been oppressed y'all know my story we know some of your story right did y'all know that i practiced uh homosexuality for almost two years anybody know that probably didn't never talked about it never really mm -hmm. i told my wife probably few years after we were married i practiced it i was dabbling around when i was like 13 right could have easily said man shoot i fell into that you know my dad and my mom were like praying for me right mm -hmm. i wasn't a christian but i got out of it right so my mind could just easily say well i got the tendencies it looks like i am holy smokes no dude either christ sets me free and i'm free indeed or i'm not okay if i constantly think that i'm going to fall that's why i think sometimes I know I'm going to step on toes here, but I don't mean to be offensive here. I'm just going to make a, a, a statement. To constantly tell people that they're always sinners, how are they going to change? How are they going to achieve more than that? Why can't we say, no, we're righteous in Christ, that my righteousness is found in him? Well, we're always sinners. Well, I'm always an alcoholic. Well, I'm always a drug addict. Just can't change that. It's who I am. No, you're of Jesus Christ. Yeah. To anybody who's going through oppression, that sees oppression, or that you think is oppression, that's totally fine. Do you see the importance now of Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, who to give you the authority to overcome the things of this world? Do you want to know why I serve God? Well, first off, because he's, he's God, and I should serve him, because he's worthy. But one of the other things that really got me about God was, he chose me. That he chose, dude, he chose me. 
That's the coolest darn thing in the stinking world, that he would choose me. Out of any everybody else, he would choose me. Now, he chose others, right? Of course. But then he, he took his time to choose me like he noticed me. That the love of God got a hold of my, of my heart, like we just read in 2 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. The love of Christ constrains me. It controls me. Do you see why it's important to have the gospel? Because the things that you need are supernatural right now. You know why people can control the church and the master over right now? Because they, need to, they haven't seen the power of God. They're not yeah. led of the spirit, dude. Yeah. We're led by emotion right now in a lot of ways. And that's a general statement. I'm not saying everybody, and I should be careful of that. I'm not trying to make a general statement here. But why you see a lot of the church just kind of kowtowing to things like a virus or whatever, because they're being led of emotion. Yeah. It's the bottom they're, line. They're looking to the world for their direction yeah. and, and looking on how to produce fruit by yep. the world's methods. And this is actually is a great segue. So we talked a lot about victimhood and the victim side of things. I want to talk about the oppressor side of things. You're being called an oppressor. You're being told you're privileged. You're being told that you are holding people down. You're being told that you have racism inherent within you. It is, is, it's you. It's your defining characteristic. And I, I want to talk to people who are being called privileged or oppressor because yep, yep. it's, it's, it's honestly easier to talk to the victim, totally, man. right? Because the victim, you can say, look, you have opportunity in Christ, but somebody who's being told you are an oppressor, dude, I, you need clarity in life. And, and you need you need some real perspective in that position. You are not an oppressor if your fruit and your character are for God. Amen. If you're if your character and fruit are for God, if you're led of the spirit, if you you're led of the spirit, you will not oppress. Now, will you stumble? Absolutely. Of course. But notice how it's much easier to make the generalization and say, well, you're white. Therefore, you are an oppressor. Purely because of your color and your privilege. I don't have to worry about your character. I don't have to worry about who you are as a person. All I have to worry about is your skin color. And therefore, that determines what your fruit is. Thank you, dude. Like, if you think about it, we could go, like, why don't we jog down this little lane? We talked about this last night about the, the oppressor and yeah. the privilege. We talked about privilege a little bit. And this is what adds to the victimhood mentality, correct? Mm -hmm. Now, I was thinking about one of my favorite people, I think, is Deion Sanders. He, he changed his life. He's not perfect, right? But to see how he overcame him, Warren Sapp, a lot of these guys, when you read their stories, they're all football players, former yeah. football players. They overcame and became literally millionaires. I mean, they, 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 they did their job. They did it well. Yeah. Deion Sanders probably arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks, probably if not the greatest cornerback in, in NFL history. Became a Christian. Started going out and advocating for Christ and all these things, right? Now he's, not, he's a millionaire. Now he gave his kids a leg up. Yeah. His kids have afforded opportunities that I'll never get. I never have. Dude, I love, and I know I'm going to create some enemies right now. I love Tom Brady. I'm a, I'm a Pats fan. Stinks that he left the Patriots. <laughs> I don't care if you hate me right now or not. At That's least okay. At least he lives okay. in the same state you do. It's now. okay. But Deion Sanders' son got to play quarterback with Tom Brady because his son's a quarterback. Yeah. He got to do drills with Tom Brady. I'll never get that opportunity. I shouldn't say never. God can do anything, right, for, for me to talk to Tom. I would love to talk to Tom and witness to him and, and just be a light to him. But that opportunity gave him the opportunity. So his father gave him a leg up to sit with Tom Brady and learn from Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in history. Yeah. Does his privilege not count? He's got more privilege than I do. 
He's ah, sitting in millions. Ah, but is it his merit and his character and his That's, ability? Come on, right? dude. No, see, what it is is what, what, what we're doing is we're, we're trading tit for tat here. That's all yeah. physical, fleshy stuff. Dude, I've gotten to sit in front of some pretty cool people. You know, I bet you Deion Sanders ain't, ain't never witnessed to uh, the lead singer from Static X. Yeah. Or the, uh, the bass player from Slipknot. I got to witness to him and, and give him some gospel tracks before he passed away. I used to rub shoulders with a bunch of rock and rollers, right? And, dude, it wasn't even by chance. I was from, from this little town, and I was in a band, and I got endorsed by, by companies, and I got to do autograph signings with all these big bands that I used to idolize growing up. That was a God thing. Dude, they didn't know that I wasn't in a popular band. I was just in a band, and they liked what we were doing for kids, and they endorsed us. Nobody can take that away. Dude, I got to witness to guys in Motley Crue. That's who can take that. That's a testimony, dude, that I just I'm so excited that I get to witness to people who think people think that they're so high up. They're not. They're really nice people. Yeah, they're hurting, too. It's not about privilege or your state. It's the opportunity that is in front of you. You take it and you run with it and let the door, let the Lord blast the doors open for you to make an impact and a difference by the spirit of God. And you see the power of God working in people. The healings and the miracles and science. The Bible says in the book Acts, these signs shall follow them, those that believe. That's what we're missing and, right now. And I, I want to turn that back to the person who's considered the oppressor, right? <laughs> Can I read this quote? Yeah, go for it. Okay, Brian, I got to give you a shout out here, buddy. Brian Moriarty says this. Welcome back, Massey. <laughs> first first the video breaks and now you're loving on tom brady bring back the mike solo show <laughs> brian your check is in the mail oh <laughs> it'll be there in a couple days i just want you to know that's me loving that comment you jerk <laughs> i'll love it when i get home <laughs> no that's cool man that's cool like and, and i ask people post your favorite overcomer verses so we can start uh re reading these off i want to know from you what's your verse that you hang on to that makes you overcome all things Right, I've got a tattoo in my right arm. Yes, I love tattoos. Yes, I love tattoos. Come at me, y'all. Right? <laughs> I got a tattoo of David and Goliath in my right arm. If anybody could have been a victim, yeah. it was David. Being overlooked by the prophet. His brothers were supposed to be the ones. He was the one out tending sheep while his brothers were in the house. Right? Goes and beats Goliath. Saul persecutes <laughs> David. He's on the run. Yeah. Right? If anybody could have been a victim, it's him. But I put this scripture on my arm. It says, is there not a cause? Every time I get down and I think, man, maybe I'm done. Maybe self-evidence done. Maybe, maybe we should give it up. But isn't there a cause? Isn't there a cause to fight? Every cause is a cause to fight, dude. Right? Maybe you found your lane. Maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's, you know, uh, uh, you know loving. I, I got a friend in Jacksonville who does things for uh, the homosexual you know, mm -hmm. community. He goes out and witnesses uh, to them. You know, all these things. Maybe it's maybe it is racism. Maybe it is whatever. Find your lane. Let the power of God flow, but don't be a victim. Walk in faith. Yeah. Walk in faith. Ask any business owner who's successful. If they lived in fear and in victimhood, they would have never been successful. Never. And when they're they're successful, then they're looked at as the oppressor, right? And and I I wanna nail this idea of the oppressor because there are a lot of people who yep. are considered an oppressor. And oftentimes it's not convenient to talk to them mm -hmm. because, oh, they, they already have it. They're already privileged. Why would you talk to them? Because they're people too. And they're, they're people who a lot of them, the vast majority of them, 99.9% .9 of them are just trying to live their life and do right. They're, they're trying to do what they're supposed to do. Now, 
as a person who's considered an oppressor, are your eyes on God or are they not? Come on. When your eyes are on God, your fruit will show. Come on, dude. And then it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people, what finger people point at you. Look at Christ. Yeah. Christ, everybody will say you're a victim. Christ was a victim. I would say if Christ is truly the Lord, boy, he could be an oppressor. But people were still pointing the finger at him. People yep. were still trying to tear him down. Why Straight were why were the, him a drunkard? Yeah. Why were the Pharisees coming after him? Because they were afraid that he was going to win all the people, and then they the Dude. Pharisees would lose their power and in lose their place. in yep. their place. Right. So they saw him as a possible oppressor, a threat, a threat, an authority that could do away with them. But his heart was not to destroy all people his heart was win people to him through mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. right so a person who's considered privileged all i have to say is do not allow that to determine who you are and what your fruit Come is on, for dude. the world do not allow other people to decide for you what your character is and what your fruit is Keep your eyes on the Lord, because when your eyes are on the Lord, your fruit will show, and it doesn't matter what the world says. Totally, it doesn't bro. matter what the totally. approval of men is. You will you will do what you are supposed to do, and you'll reach out to those who are victims, and you'll lift them up. Instead of somebody coming up to you and yep. pointing a finger in your face and saying, you better acknowledge your privilege. And then, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, I was, finish I was, your point. I'm you sorry. better acknowledge your privilege. Instead, you show through your fruit I'm taking care of people. I'm reaching my hand out to people. I'm loving people. I am being a servant to people. You don't even have to say that thank to the you, person dude. who puts the finger thank in you, your Thank you, thank you, thank All you, thank you. All you have to do is look in your own heart and go, no, I'm with the Lord. It doesn't matter if this person thinks I'm privileged or not. It doesn't matter if this person thinks I'm an oppressor or not. Because I know I'm following the Lord to the best of my ability. And if you think about it, dude, what good does it do me if my enemy doesn't see that my love is in Christ. My heart is with Christ. How's my enemy going to change? How's my oppressor going to yeah. change? How's my fear going to change if you're not bowing before the Father? In the book of James, he says, it's, it's uh, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm -hmm. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, right? It's, it's, it's knowing that I, if I can't show them God, they're never going to change, dude, because then their standard becomes me now. Yep. Not the Father, right? And if you look at some of these scriptures these guys are posting, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Glory just posted. I was asking, what's your favorite overcomer scripture? Revelation 12, and he says, And they have conquered, them by the, conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto the death, which is the truth. Do you love your life so much where you're not willing to die for the altar of Christ in this world? You know, sometimes I think we take that lightly, that I'm willing to, to go that far with God. Mm -hmm. I am. I've, I've kind of resigned to that, that that's just going to happen, that it may happen. We may die for the faith, y'all. Yeah. That's not something like, I would die for God. That's not what I'm saying. Like, no, there's counting the cost here. Because there's a difference between Peter before the resurrection and Peter after the resurrection. My uh, Chris and I were talking about this today when we were doing our Bible study. And Peter before the resurrection is this extreme swing back and forth, right? And right before Christ gets gets led to the cross, Peter's like, I'll go and die with you. I'm mm. going with you. And, and Christ looks at him and goes, you're going to deny me three times before yeah, the rooster dude. even crows. So it's this this wild like bravado of like, I know I, I'll die with you, which is completely 
different from the Peter after the resurrection who never again goes, I'll die for the faith. He just gives his testimony and testifies to who Christ is, and he's led to death, yet still stands firm in it. I think when when you wow. actually count the cost of what it means to follow Christ, wow, you're dude. a lot more careful about it. Because I hear people and I hear people say, I I would die for Christ. And inside it's like do you know what that really means? Because I think you're speaking that from a position of safety. Yep. Now you and I have had discussions where like, we've actually Great talked point, about dude. like we're, it's not a fear, but it's a sober realization of this could actually happen. We could go to jail. We could die for what we're doing. Are we ready and committed to that? That sober realization is a closer step to walking in faith and being willing to die for Christ than a person who's just like, I'm going to die for Christ. I'll do it. Because that's bravado. It is bravado, but look at how then Peter ended up dying. So first he says, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Ends up dying upside down. And he even says, I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Lord. Yeah. And he died on a cross hung upside down. Yep. And he watched his wife get crucified too. Oh and my what gosh, dude. imagine watching the one you love and you spent your life with getting crucified and tortured just like you. Oh and instead gosh, of dude. instead of lamenting that and and being heartbroken over seeing that, you're telling her to keep her eyes on Christ. That's a true faith. That even in that moment, you are saying to your loved one who you're seeing tortured and died before your eyes, going, keep your eyes on Christ. Do it for him. Let's die for him. Dude. That's real faith. Dude, that's real faith. That's real love, actually. Um, there's a whole lot of comments going on right now. And, and I agree with you, Gloria, that, that it only matters what God thinks of me. I, yeah. I don't really care. It hurts. Yes, yeah, yeah. it does. Like yeah. legit guys getting written up in Yahoo News and AP and stuff, but that we're 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 oppressing kids for telling them the truth. That sucks. It, it uh, you you start to like, eh, who cares? But that hurts, man. Yeah, it's, that stuff hurts. It's not easy to be told that I'm not allowed to have an opinion because of my skin color. Yeah, dude. Or it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not fun. You know, totally, but. dude. Totally, totally. Or. You know, you're 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 told that you're you're warping kids' minds by telling them about Jesus that they yeah. can't be gay. It's like, look, <laughs> I'm telling them what sin is before God. You know, and it's it sucks when you're written up in a paper saying we were lying about. You know, it, it just it hurts, right? Um, another uh, verse that was posted was Esther four. Uh, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? We have right now, here's another one too, Second Chronicles 7.14. When we read it at church this morning, I was telling Chris about it. Uh, Rain put this on here. She said Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. But I said, have you read just before that and just after that? And he goes, no. And I told him what it said. Listen to this really carefully, guys. This should give you some hope. Uh, this is verse 11. Then Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Talking about his temple, right? And this is the one that Solomon finally built. It says this, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If, if I shut up the heavens and if I do this and I, if, I'm, if all this stuff is happening, if my people... It's not just a verse we put on coffee mugs and on our walls. Yeah. 
if this is going on, that pestilence is happening in the which it is. Here's, here's your solution. It's if my that's a blank stinking check, man. Yeah. That's a promise from God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will uh, forgive their sin and heal their land. Listen to this. Verse 15 says this. Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place, a place where he dedicated himself. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And you know what the beauty is? The temple is <laughs> the body on! now. We don't have to go to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem anymore. Our bodies are the temple. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So the beauty of it is the church as it stands today, if they reach out to the Lord, they get on their knees and humble themselves. They, they turn Dude. from their wicked ways, each of us, and we raise our voices to heaven. God will hear us because we're our spirits are in the temple already. We are already Thank before you. God. There's There's no... There's no veil between us and God. We have direct access and connection because of Jesus Christ. This is the beautiful part. American church, this is for you right now. Dude. This is for you right now. You can't go through scripture and continue to be a victim. It, it's, it's the roadmap to set you free. It does nothing but talk about oppressive people being delivered. Every <laughs> single time. Every story. <laughs> It's, it's someone being oppressed, someone being set free, Christ being arrested, then being set free through his death and resurrection, right? Peter, set, uh, 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 oppressed by his own sin and weight, God says, you're going to deny me. Guess who publicly preaches about him? And guess where the, uh, the, 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 the church is built on? Peter, right? It's a constant story. There's always a story of oppression and liberty. Oppression and liberty. You can't be a victim if you read scripture. Yeah. I'm encouraging you with that, guys. If you ever feel oppressed by sin, read the, read the word of God. Read Hebrews. Read Hebrews. Read Romans 6, 7, and 8. Set you free, man. Uh, it, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You have to make a choice to walk after the spirit. Listen to what he said. Romans 8. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. Come on, man. His word, his spirit set me free from sin and from death. The Verse 3, for what the law couldn't do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, man, that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. That is life, man. I can't be a victim. I can't walk in victimhood. I can't walk in fear knowing that my father said that these gifts shall precede you, that we've got all uh, 21 giftings at our, our, at our disposal right now as Christians, that we can walk in authority, dude, with all fivefold ministry in the church. I can't be a victim. I can only walk in liberty and power. Come on, is someone getting this or what? I'm getting lit right now. I can't walk in, in bitterness and anger and hatred. I don't have time for that stuff. I want people to walk in the overcomer of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to be telling these people in the streets. That's what we need to confront politicians with. It is no longer your carnal mind that is going to win this battle. It is literally not flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. What overcomes that? The spirit of God. I'm done. Whew. Sorry. For what? <laughs>
It just, dude, like, I can't walk around this world playing that God isn't real. I'm not saying you don't fall. I'm not saying we don't go through problems. The answer. That's the answer. That's the answer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Spirit. We don't have faith that the, the Scripture is actually the answer. And I'm just going to quick do this little aside. We we see a lot of churches today that are, like we were talking about, kowtowing to what the world is telling them to do, what the, the solutions that the world is putting forth. Well, why is that? Because there's not a strong enough faith in the answers of God and keeping your eyes on the Lord. When you actually keep your eyes on the Lord— the solutions of the world don't make sense because they think they're wise, but they're actually foolish. The answers of God actually step above, right? They, they don't just handle one issue. They handle all of the issues when you look at the answers of God. And I, I'm picturing this as instead of chopping down one tree and then having to switch axes to chop down another tree Come and on, switch dude. axes to chop down another tree. The word of God is actually like a massive buzzsaw that takes all of the trees down at once because the word of God, your eyes are on him and he takes care of what's going to happen. He takes care of the issues and the obstacles of the day. He gives you the tools. And as you move forward, the tools help work together in order to move you forward in life. As soon as your eyes get off of him, you're starting to look at the world to see what the world's telling you to do in order to appease them. But guess what? The goalposts will always move. The solution will always be different dude. because they'll always decide, well, you're still not good enough for us. You're still not good enough for us. You're never good enough. But guess what? With Christ, you never were good enough. But he tells you, I love you too much to let you go. I'll be good enough on, for dude. you then you can take my righteousness and I'll take your sin. All of a sudden, it's not even about whether or not you're good enough. It's, totally. I've got Christ. Christ has robed me in righteousness. Christ is all and in and, all. And that is freedom. Because as soon as you are free from the bondage of sin and having to actually weigh out the payment for sin, you are free to move forward. Then you understand, dude, as a Christian in this world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. So you'll be hated for whatever reasons, whether it's skin color, whether it's Christianity, whether it's your stance on, on righteousness, whatever it is, right? Be of good cheer, though. The Bible says, I've overcome it. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, I've protested many times before against government. I've stood outside government official offices because they're not just attacking me. You're attacking everybody by creating more laws than are necessary to attribute to freedom and liberty. You are now becoming God. When any man becomes oppressive to us, wh who was it? Uh, when any man becomes oppressive to, 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 to man, I start to really get frustrated by, about it, right? Um, and I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from Thomas Jefferson's memorial uh, that should kind of set you free as well um, because these are, these are really good quotes. And uh, we kind of went off topic, but we're still on topic. This is about righteousness, right? Right, Mike? Hey, Mike, <laughs> shut up, Mike. On the rotunda, Thomas Jefferson, he wrote this uh, in 1800, September 23rd. He said, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. I've sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. Listen to what he said. This is on the northwest side of the portico 
Um, he said this, I think it was in 1777 it was drafted. It says this, Almighty God hath created the mind free. All attempts to influence it by temporal punishments or burdens are a departure from the plan of the holy author of our religion. Talking about God. No man shall be compelled to frequent or support religious worship or ministry or shall otherwise suffer on account of his religious opinions or belief. But all men shall be free to profess by, by any argument to maintain their opinions and matters of religion. I know but one code of morality from men, whether acting singly or collectively. But he said this at the beginning. Almighty God hath created the mind free. Any attempt to, to go against that, I stand in hostility against. I do. I really do. All this other stuff is just fruit of a, of a rotten tree. And notice, notice he was talking about the, the oppression of the mind. Thank you. The oppression of the mind as opposed to the body. The oppression of the mind is where the battle really begins. So when we talk about stifling speech and controlling what you're yep. allowed to say, controlling what you're allowed yep. to think, controlling your opinions, that's the oppression of the mind. And even then, you look to the Lord to continue to support yep. and strengthen your faith and heart as you move forward. Now, can you defend yourself against oppression of the mind? Absolutely. I think we're replacing oppression of, of the body or oppression of a situation and putting that on the same level as oppression of the mind. Right. Right. And when the mind is not oppressed, it it will break the bonds of oppression over the body. Mm-hmm. And and there's a system there. But Satan is ultimately trying to oppress the mind and the heart of people. And that's a big issue yep. to fight. So that being said, guys. <laughs> we, got, we, we, we stayed cool. on topic. For the most part. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for paying attention, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for staying with us. We're sorry about the video. We'll figure it out. I don't know what's going on. It must be the internet. It says that the internet's slow. It doesn't matter whether we got video or not. We are still coming to you. We're still going to give you what you need. Um, and please continue to comment, like, share, let other people know about it. Yeah. And if there's something you want us to cover, let us know. Yeah. Put it in the comments, send us a message, please talk to us. Um, and thank you so much for the support you give when you guys, when you guys come up and tell us, Hey, you're helping out, you're making impact. Somebody else today is just like, thank you so much. Like, uh, once again, I was telling Melissa, it's like, I just don't know how to respond because it affects me so much. And it's like words can't really say how much it means to hear that. So just thank you so much for that, guys. Uh, so that being said, once again, it is a self-evident podcast. Make sure to tune in Wednesday night, yeah. 10 p.m. Massey is late night live. He is back. Hey, I did two in a row. It's your turn, man. <laughs> People are clamoring. I hear know- it. Massey, yeah, no, Massey. this is crazy. Do you want to know how like live these are? Like, you're, like, talking about someone I didn't even hear about. I'm like, oh, who was that? Like, we don't talk. We talk about where the format's going to go. (laughs) But we are literally talking from our hearts. Like, we're not, like, scripting this stuff. We have an outline, but we're literally going from our heart. And because we want the rawness of this to be as real as it gets. Like, what's God telling us at that moment for you Mm -hmm. through the spirit? That's the point. Right, so we're always coming out with something fresh, some some kind of new content, and uh, I'll post tomorrow what we're going to talk about Wednesday because apparently I was just thrown under the. I got ball and told I'm doing Wednesday. It's great. Fine, I'll do it. No, it's cool, man. I'll do it. Shoot. Yeah, good. Right, you better. Shoot. All right, Anyways. everybody, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. 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 Get on there, support your boys. We got uh, some cool merch out now. 
We got uh, we, you could be a monthly sponsor. We could totally use your support. We will continue this effort. And guys, the, the country's opening back up again so that we can go out and speak more and do what we are called to do. So God bless you guys. We love you. And we will see you on Wednesday night. Love you guys. Wednesday night. Bye. Wednesday night.